So if you weren't at PodFast and you weren't able to go and check out Albin's amazing monetization talk that left babies crying from pure joy, uh, we will leave a link in the show notes and you can download the slides and go check those out. You have so many weird <laughs> phrases. I, like, where does that babies are crying joy from pure joy, pure joy. Awesome. Transition. <laughs> Welcome back to Buzzcast. I am Travis Albritton, host of Buzzcast. Today, we're going to be doing some really cool things like introducing the actual host. Yes. But you did a great job. You did a you do a great Travis impersonation. So we should keep hanging out because then I can send you to events that I don't want to go to. You I'm not going to go be, be my a stand fake in. Travis. <laughs> actually, did I tell you somebody? Actually, I met someone at Evolutions who was like, oh, hey, I love your video. But why does sometimes you wear glasses and sometimes you don't? And I'm like, I don't wear glasses. And I went, oh, that's a different person. <laughs> On that note, uh, welcome back to another episode of Buzzcast. We do have the usual suspects, myself, Albin, slash Travis, and Kevin. We just had a lot of fun at PodFest. If you've been listening to our episodes, we've been talking about how pumped we are about it. Well, it was definitely a fun time. So we started off with inviting 500 people to PodFest, paying for their ticket. But we wanted to do something really special, so we did a bowling party. Yeah. The bowling party was great. It was at Splitsville, which is uh, a bowling alley in Disney Springs. And it's, um, yeah, it's a really cool place. It's like high end, um, kind of like restaurant, bar, bowling alley, not, I don't know. Mickey like, Mouse meet and greet. Yeah, I'll be yeah. honest. Every yeah. time we said bowling party, I was like, it's not a bowling party. It's not like, like we did. It was a party with bowling. food yeah. and drinks and a bar. I didn't touch a bowling ball the whole time. Oh, I totally did. Did you really? Yeah, we had hand sanitizer on hand. Oh yeah, now we're. I was just saying I didn't actually bowl. Oh, I thought you were. But also, gotta it, be clean. It was a nerve. <laughs> it's, it's a nervous time to have large gathering of people. Yeah, and then we're all sharing bowling balls. But everybody was very respectful and cool, and there was lots of hand sanitizer. And I, I, we don't have any confirmed cases post event so far. So. Well, this got dark pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> no one got sick. Well, what was what was your highlight from from the party that we did? I don't know that I even picked up on this, but a lot of people came up to me during the party, and it was a fun like party environment. You know, people are bowling, people are there's great food, people are uh, playing pool. Um, there was music playing, but I heard from more than one person. I don't know if you guys heard the same thing. They're like, "This is such a great venue for an event like this because it feels like a fun party environment." But it's not like booming music. Like you could just stand next to someone and have a normal conversation without yeah. shouting. Like no one was losing their voice. And there were real conversations happening all over the room. There was clusters of tables with groups of um, people from all over the United States and the world. We had somebody there from Egypt. We're sitting around having amazing conversations. And so it was kind of this fun party environment. But at the same time, a real opportunity to connect and have real conversations with people. Yeah, I uh, I actually had someone reach out and was saying like, oh, it's great talking to you and meeting people. I don't know about you, but those things always like stress me out so much, like interacting with people. And it definitely reminded me like how if you don't know anybody who's into podcasting and then you're going in this totally solo, which almost everyone is, that can be pretty stressful. And so I like that we did it in the beginning of the week because anyone, the, any friend you make at the beginning of a conference, you're pretty much like locked in. You're like, we, we right. hang out like the entire rest of the time. And so I hope people were able to kind of make a friend, have someone to be there along the way. 
but those are like, honestly, the most fun for me. I'm just walking around like Katie got drink tickets and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Podcasts. They're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what was really cool uh, was like, I, I didn't really see anyone sitting by themselves like the whole time, even though there were a lot of people that came and they didn't know anyone going into it. And so that's always cool. I mean, that's the thing that I love about when we do the local podcaster meetups is it's like you, you just get to hang out with your people, right? And it's like, oh, you have a podcast, I have a podcast. They're about totally different things, but there are so many things that we can relate to each other on. It just makes it a really cool, really cool experience. So that was a lot of fun. And then after that, we actually had the conference itself, which do you know how many people were there total? Is it over 2,000 or something like that? It was over 2,000. I don't know how many. I mean, there was a point where Chris seemed to think that he might get near 3,000. I don't think he hit that. But it was pretty big. I think 500 of them were from Buzzsprout. So we had pretty good. I mean, those were people that we took. Mm-hmm. So there was a fair amount of people that came with us. Um, big thank you to Chris and for everything he does with PodFest. I think it's a very cool conference. It's got a totally different vibe than something like Podcast Movement. Um, and it's just this like, it feels much more like a uh, local meetup that happens to now be 3,000 people. Right. A conference that was designed as a big conference. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't really explain it, but as his conference continues to grow and grow each year, he hasn't lost like kind of that original DNA of the first year when there was like a hundred, 150 people. Um, and I, I've thought about it, but I can't put my finger on how he keeps that same vibe, but it, it does have a very different feel than like a podcast movement or something like that. Yeah. So it was really a great conference. Um, I'm sure we'll be, taking more people to it next year. They do it every March in Orlando. Uh, So just go ahead and mark your calendar for 2021 because it really is a fantastic conference to go to. Someone's going to write in 11 months, be like, Travis promised me a free ticket in an episode of Buzzcast 11 months ago. If someone remembers this episode 11 months from now, we we will make it happen. Good problem to have. So we weren't just participants at PodFest. Albin actually gave a keynote speech at podcast in one of the breakout classes. I, I, I like the uh, breakout breakout room keynote. <laughs> <laughs> you um, you were the keynote speaker in that room for that time slot. Yeah, there was a 45 minutes where I was the keynote of one breakout room. Um, I mean, it, it was fun. We've, we've tried to make it now. We said this year, we've been going to a lot of conferences for five years. We've always just been working a booth and meeting people. We were like, oh, let's make a conscious effort to actually get on stage and teach the stuff that we teach in blogs. Um, so John did that at Podcast Movement Evolutions, and I gave a talk this time. You want me to give a little synopsis to this guy? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's unfortunate they gave you a topic that nobody ever wants to know about or learn about. Like, who, who ever wants to know how to make money? Yeah. So I talked about um, how to monetize a podcast with less than 10,000 listeners. And this is something we have probably talked about quite a bit on this podcast and quite a bit in the office. It's something I think about a lot because if you have less than 10,000 listeners, one, nobody wants to talk to you about monetization. Like all the big ad groups don't even acknowledge you. They'll, they'll acknowledge you, but they just, they're not interested in setting up a deal. It's not worth their time. And it's kind of a bummer because the way people think about it is like this CPM is actually the end all be all of podcast monetization. So until I can get big, I can't monetize and I cannot make this a valuable endeavor for me to take. Um, So a bit of it was in the beginning, just kind of debunking that myth that 
ads even work for podcasts because until you have Joe Rogan numbers, they're really not a meaningful monetization. Um, then the middle is kind of like what makes podcasts great and what makes them different and then wrapped it up with a bunch of strategies. Yeah. Well, I want you to go deeper on that. Let's not gloss over that. Cause I think it is easy for us to kind of take for granted. Oh yeah. CPM isn't that a very good strategy. Uh, but for most podcasters, they wouldn't think that at first glance. Um, so why don't you dig a little bit deeper into, um, why it isn't and, you know, kind of, yeah, dig into that. Yeah. So why does CPM not work for podcasting? The first is it's not made for podcasting. I'm not sure the, I should have maybe looked this up. Uh, it came from, I mean, we used it in banner ads and mm -hmm. we used it on a bunch of websites. It might, I think it's even older, but it's basically this volume game where you're seeing how much time, how many ads can I get in front of somebody and they basically deal with it because the content is there and it works. Right. So you're selling impressions. You're not right. actually selling a engagement. engagement or behavior. Right. Yeah. And so what that works for is like, I pulled up an image of this website I go to that had like eight ads just in one little bit. And if you scroll down, you got another 14. And what he's doing is he gets a ton of page views and he's shameless. So he throws all these ads on there. And what does he get? Well, actually he gets a decent amount of money because now he's multiplying it by 14 ads. But podcasts really don't, uh, it just doesn't fit for podcasting. Um, most podcasts are not that big. The average podcaster is getting less than hundred plays per episode. So if we're keeping that in mind and the only way we know to monetize is by selling mass impressions that only pay something like three cents per listener, you end up, even this podcast, I used us as an example. So if we put two ads in every one of these episodes, we could probably expect about $120 per month, per month. Mm -hmm. And there's three of us and uh, we got to rent out the studio from ourselves. So, I mean, we're, it still costs us money. Yeah. You know, we just happen to be able to use this for free. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't make any money. Um, and so then I said, well, look, it doesn't work because it doesn't align. The old way of the web does not align with what we do in podcasting now. Let's get away from what makes us not work with CPM and actually lean into some of our advantages. So one of the things that seemed to resonate, I was like, we don't have virality in podcasting. Um, virality, like things going viral. Yeah. And we have this all the time. People are like, we got to fix podcast discovery. And so there's a lot of smart people thinking about it. And there was some moment where I started wondering, is that even a bad thing on YouTube? If I put something out to my 12, you know, subscribers, they can all just start liking and commenting and YouTube, the algorithm shows it to a bunch more people. And then if those people engage shows it to more people and it can go to getting millions of views. And you see this every once in a while when someone puts up like a goofy dance or something, all of a sudden it's all over the web and this works on social, this works on blog posts in different ways. But if you put out great content you pretty quickly, it's actually easier for you to grow your audience than it was in the beginning. Podcasts actually have almost the opposite thing because for somebody to share, I mean, first off, only your subscribers are getting it. And very few people are go dinking around on the apps going, what new shows can I find? And are downloading random episodes and checking them out. And the apps are not suggesting new stuff. Most of the apps, there might be some that are trying to do that now. But there's no way for the, you to go viral. 
And what that means is we actually fight for like every one of our listeners. And so one thing I asked, I said, like, raise your hand. If you've ever taken someone's phone from their hand, pulled out the podcasting app and downloaded your podcast and over half the room raised their hand and were like all laughing because they're like, yeah, I've done that. You know, the purple app, get the purple app. Yeah. It says podcast. Oh, I didn't know what that ever did. Yeah. Yeah. Now you can listen to me when I talk about, you know, my new Lego sets or whatever their podcast is about. Um, but what that means is we have these really deep relationships with our listeners because we don't have casual fans. There's never some random guy on a Saturday just sitting around, you know, binge watching a bunch of YouTube videos, podcasts. All those people are mostly people who've listened for months. And you often listen week after week after week for 45 minutes. It's a lot of engagement. And so I kind of brought that to so what would monetization look like for podcasting? And it needs to be a strategy where we are not penalized for our small audiences, but instead are rewarded for the deep connection we have with our audience, for the trust that we've built over years, for the, in, you know, the, they're coming back over and over. They, this is need content, not feed content. Feed content just pops up in your feed and you kind of engage with it because who cares? Um, so we need a way where one, 10 people could make a big difference uh, for us in monetization because YouTube doesn't really differentiate between different people for us. It doesn't matter. You just got 10 views, you got 10 views in podcasts. We need to make it so one person could really make a difference. Um, so I went through a bunch of, you want to go through some of the ways that we talked about? Yeah. Well, and I even just want to pause here for a second. Cause what you're, you're essentially advocating for a diff, a completely different worldview of podcast monetization. Cause a lot of the, at least the big wigs and people that are trying to fix podcasting, quote unquote, um, their strategy is how do we get all these giant companies to stop spending money on blogs and start spending money on podcasts? Not even thinking through like, does Geico really care about the relationship you have with your audience? They're just buying. They're just trying to get brand lift. They're just buying impressions. They don't care. They don't care the value that you have your with your listener. They're just like, oh, that's a download. So we all equate that as the same as a video view. And they're just trying to redirect this money at the expense of the relationship you have with your audience. And so, so that's why I think, you know, what we've talked about internally, why we advocate affiliate marketing over a CPM ad kind of model is specifically because it does lean more into what makes podcasting special. Yeah. There's a theory in podcast or podcast in marketing called product channel fit where the channel that you are marketing something needs to actually align with the product that you are selling. And a lot of these mass market products like insurance or Tide, they are not going to actually do super well in a very focused, narrow niche for focused, narrow niche audiences. Um, and so we need for, if those are the audiences we're going to connect with and they are the audiences we're connecting with now, then we need a way to actually deliver really specific value, not general value. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of the ways that we came up with, um, the first is, well, I mean, you mentioned affiliate marketing, so we can mm -hmm. start there. That was not one that I talked about, but affiliate marketing, you're basically flipping it to say, I know these people so well, I will pick the exact right product. I will not rely on you to say, oh, we offer you three cents for a Geico ad. You say, well, I'm talking about, this is a real podcast. 
I'm talking about um, people's experience at, I think, West Point um, or new cadets experience at West Point. And then I guess there's a bunch of banking services that are only for people who are in the armed services and they all want to advertise on this podcast for a ton of money, a lot more. And he's not selling CPM ads. He's saying for everyone who signs up for your service down the line, I'm going to get a good amount of money back Mm -hmm. because he's taking the risk on saying, I know what people want. I'm not just saying anybody can get on here. I'm going to find the exact right groups and I'll make a lot more money. So you take the risk on yourself because you're betting. I understand my audience, which you do. Um, Another way is creating products and services yourself. So we have lots of examples. You've done a webinar on this. Yep. Um, But where people are teaching something like if you're a podcast teaching people, hey, what are the daily productivity habits you can have? How can you um, start your day off right so you get a lot more done? Well, if you're teaching everyone about how to use a daily planner and how to schedule everything, you're the guy who should make a daily planner. And so we have a podcast on Buzzsprout. He had like 6,000 followers, listeners. And so he said, hey, I'm thinking about making my own daily planner. Would anyone want that? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm probably going to make it for me. And it was something like a thousand of them, like 15% say, yes, I want it. And I'll pre I'll prepay to get it. Right. He got 15% of his podcast audience to buy a planner that didn't exist because he said he was going to make it. Yes. That was the relationship he had with his listeners. The only way that that happens is if there's somebody who is trusted as an authority in the space, you're the one who's teaching me about this, or you're the, and you have a lot of trust with your audience. They go, Hey, if Travis is telling me he's gonna make a planner, I know he's going to make a planner. I'm not, this isn't some Indiegogo that may disappear. I trust. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about people who are taking their audience deeper and deeper. So, uh, Casey Rossi has a podcast that's basically about, uh, women in the health and wellness space. And so what she does is she highlights, uh, women that are doing really well. Then the next level is, Hey, do you want some, like to learn more of these systems that I'm teaching and highlighting in these, this podcast, I've got a course. And then if you love that course, Hey, let's get on to the next level. If you want to go beyond that course, why don't we do one-on-one coaching? And then the like brilliant bit of marketing that she's doing is the the next is, Hey, you were super successful in this one-on-one coaching. Why don't you be on the podcast and refill, you know, keep growing the audience. And I, now I've got great, you know, women on here talking about their experiences and now I'm getting more people to go down that journey. There are people who will pay a thousand dollars for a course that has a lot of the same content as a $12 book because they want the connection to the author. They want the connection, the, to go deeper, the opportunity to learn from other people who are interested in the exact same thing. Um, and I think that's a market that's going to grow quite a bit, especially when you consider that podcasters are already good at making content. Yeah. They're already good at planning episodes. They're already good at making outlines. It's essentially just reverse engineering the stuff that you figured out and then creating a path that somebody else can walk on. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's all you're really doing when you're selling an informational product. And so podcasters really are like put in an advantageous position to take advantage of those kinds of opportunities. Yeah. And so a few others I can highlight real quick. We also talked about um, getting leads for your business. You know, you have the ability to be the authority on a subject 
And if you've got a business where one client is worth $100,000 to you, creating a podcast is actually a brilliant thing to do because getting someone to subscribe to a show is relatively easy, um, easier than landing a $100,000 client. But now those clients are actually listening to you. And now they're going to reach out to you going, hey, I've listened to you for a year. You're the guy. I don't know why I would consider someone else. I want you to do this work for me. Um, and then the one that I love the most, which I really pushed a lot of people towards, is advancing your career. Um, there's so many examples that we get of people who, for one reason or another, they, in my mind, deserve a great job, but are not able to get the great job because of they don't fit the part. Um, we talked about our friend Reggie, who came out of construction, taught himself to code, and now he's in Texas. And, you know, like he doesn't know everybody there. They all look at him and they're like, you don't look like us. And you're like, did construction and you supposedly taught yourself to program. You're not the guy. Well, he doesn't like, that's true. He doesn't like that background doesn't match up with what they expect. So he just started doing a podcast about being underrepresented in tech in Texas. People start listening and then they're like, oh, this guy really knows his stuff. He's, he taught himself. He actually is the person we would love to have. And so he said five X his salary by people actually realizing how valuable he is. Um, so that podcast opened up all these doors and we don't have like one example of that. We have dozens of examples of that where somebody builds this little community and only 200 people are listening, but they're the exact 200 people who really matter in your field who really will like skyrocket your, um, your networking ability. Cause it's not who, you know, it's who knows you and who trusts you. And now you've got 200 people that really trust you who matter. It's going to open up so many doors. Yeah. I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we've, we've talked about this before. Uh, we found Travis's podcast and Travis was talking in a podcast group and then he was in town and we listened to it and you're like, Oh, well, we do need to hire someone to run all these podcasts. Maybe it should be this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my story, right? So like, that's how I quote unquote monetized my podcast. So I was doing it as a hobby, as a creative outlet. Cause I wasn't super thrilled with the job I was working at the time. And then as I developed all those skills, found an opportunity to teach those skills at a company that valued that. Right. And so even seeing your podcast as a way to essentially changed into your dream career, it doesn't have to be the podcast itself that helps you do that. It could be, oh, you started a podcast about Legos and then there's a toy shop down the street that's like, we want to get into content marketing and we know that you know your stuff. Yeah. So why don't you come on and help us to do that to like grow our business? You just monetized your hobby podcast by shifting your job. And think, shifting your career. And think how hard that actually is for an employer to take a risk on you because you say, oh, I want to make a career change. And I promise I will really love this thing that I'm applying for. So your entire background is, you know, engineering. And you said, hey, I want to come on and do podcasts for you. Most people are going to go, no, you're not. You're, I know you're not going to do that. You're not going to be excited about it. I can't take a risk on you. But if you said, oh, I've actually got two years of podcasting experience, then they'll go, whoa, okay, this guy really is passionate about this. Yeah, his job will change, but the interests are not changing. 
And so if you really want to get into a new area, just, I would really start trying to podcast about that thing. You'll get to connect with a bunch of guests who are already in the industry. You'll build up a resume. This podcast is your resume for showing that you really love this work. And then when people, when you're applying, you can go. So when I've been working on this podcast and they'll go, Oh wow, this guy's been doing it for a year. He really does care about this. Oh, it really is like, he really does want to become a programmer. Look how much work he's put in. It wasn't just a, he took a free online code class and now is asking for us to hand him the keys to the kingdom. He's taught himself and started a podcast and listening to that podcast. I can realize he knows his stuff because I've listened to now an hour and a half of him talking about it. Yeah. And I mean, one way, if you want to just take this all the way across the goal line, it would be interview people that make purchasing decisions at the companies that you want to work for. Yes. Right. Because, you know, so-and-so head of HR at, you know, X company, Acme Incorporated, like they would love to come on your podcast and talk about stuff that they like talking about. And they're like, whoa, this person also knows a lot about this stuff. Yeah. So that's Casey Rossi's story Mm because she was moving from a marketing background into the health and wellness space. And she's going, oh, let me in instead of my way of getting into this industry will be to start a podcast and then I will interview all the women who are doing what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And that's at the beginning of the podcast is just interviewing the women that are doing what she wants to do. And then eventually people start reaching out going, teach me some more. And she goes, oh, sure. I've got an online course for you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, and and I think kind of the, the, there's not like a moral of the story, but the moral of the story, the big takeaway is don't monetize the podcast, create something valuable that your listeners will want. Yeah. That's when, when you're not looking at just a purely numbers game and how do I get as many downloads as possible? That's the way that you actually can make it like a considerable income from your podcast. Yeah. Think of it as a conversation with a couple people, not this mass market thing where you're willing to sell off attention for three cents for a minute ad you can do much better than three cents for a minute. You can get a great, a brand new job. You can get leads for your business. You can get lots of money through affiliate marketing, but you maybe need to be a bit creative in figuring out how can the people that listen to my podcast actually do something that would be incredibly valuable to me. So if you weren't at PodFast and you weren't able to go and check out Alvin's amazing monetization talk that left babies crying from pure joy, uh, we will leave a link in the show notes and you can download the slides and go check those out. You have so many weird <laughs> phrases. Travis. I, like, where does that babies are crying joy <laughs> from pure joy, pure joy. So in addition to Albin's wonderful talk, uh, we were also in the exhibitor hall with lots of other vendors and people that are in the podcasting space, some competitors, but also uh, a lot of people are innovating in podcasting, which is really cool because when you ever go to these conferences, it kind of consolidates all those people into a single place and you're able to connect with some of them and hear what's going on in different corners of the world. Um, so I know we were able to connect with some people, some old friends, but then also kind of make some new connections. Were there any that really stood out to you? Yeah. So we had a great visit with the, the pod chaser team. Pretty much their whole team was there. They've got a couple people who work in Australia and they couldn't make it, but the rest of their team was there. And so We've been big fans of the Podchaser app and service for a long time and um, have gotten to know the team a little bit. We met him, I think, the first time I met Cole, who's like their CEO, we met him last year at Podfest. And so I've stayed in contact with him throughout the year and met um, Bradley, his co-founder, 
great conversation with them at the Buzzsprout party and dug into uh, everything that they're doing. And uh, we, yeah, we're just so aligned, I think, in how we think about podcasting, how they think about podcasting. Um, I don't know if they love this analogy or not, but I always think about them as like the IMDb, what IMDb is for film and TV shows. That's what they're doing in the podcasting space. And uh, they have a beautiful application. We've all gone in there and, you know, created our creator profile profiles and we've linked up our shows. I would suggest everybody who has a podcast do the same thing. Um, what'd you think, Alvin? I probably the highlight for me was meeting Dave. He's the guy who does all their marketing and he's the man behind all of the like weirdest podcast tweets on the web. Like he's, they have such a big following because he's just like tweeting all this stuff off the wall. Like, do you prefer your podcast boneless or with bones? And like, we're just saying they're eating wings at dinner and he's tweeting that out and it's getting like all this interaction. So had a little bit to learn about how to use Twitter from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're very cool guys. They just launched the option. So you now can reply to uh, people leaving reviews on your podcast. So do we have any reviews on our podcast on, on Podchaser? I'm not sure. I don't I'm think not so. Sure. But if we don't and you're listening, you could be one of the first. So um, I'm looking now. We have none. So mm. if anyone leaves one, Travis will reply. The first person who leaves us a review, you will leave them a review. I'm committing you to doing that. I can do that. So it's a mad dash. If you're downloading this Friday morning, <laughs> you got a leg up. Um, I'll leave a link to our Podchaser page. You can go and leave an honest review because we do want to hear what you guys think about the show and how we can make it better and that kind of stuff. But if we're doing anything good, also give us some encouragement, yeah, compliments. Yeah. We like compliments. It really is a good platform and there's not too many places on like in the podcast ecosystem where comments and reviews and stuff aren't kind of like locked in. Like Apple Podcasts is the most popular place to leave ratings and reviews. But that only works for people who are in the Apple ecosystem, like they have iPhones or something like that. And if you do the magic sequence of button taps to actually find the place where you can leave a review and then have Apple accept the review, because right. sometimes it kind of right. quirks out on you. Yeah. They don't accept all the reviews? Well, sometimes you'll leave a review and it'll give you like this weird refresh page and it actually doesn't log the review. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So because... I've tried leaving reviews for people and then I check back like a week later and it's not there. I'm like what's going on? Apple podcasts. And one of the things you can do in Podchaser, I actually think is pretty cool is that you can actually review each episode. Like you can give them stars, which I think will be really good if a lot of people pick that up. Um, imagine if you're trying to recommend like reply all episodes and you're like, which one should I start someone off with? You can just pull up me like, all right, what are some top rated ones? Mm -hmm. Okay. These three are really good. Oh, I remember those two were really funny. I'll recommend those because, uh, especially for shows that have been around a long time, it is kind of hard and you kind of feel like if I don't give someone a great episode to start with, they're not going to listen to two. Mm -hmm. And so you really are like hoping that you get, you know, you recommend a really good one to start. Yeah. No podcaster and this is turning into a Podchester yeah. Podchaser review. Um, they also have some really cool curated episode lists. So if you're looking for things to listen to or like, hey, I'm, you know, I want to listen to more true crime stuff or I want to more find more stuff like this podcast, they have lists curated around the podcast you're already listening to. And so you can go and check out like what other people recommend based on what you're currently what what your current listening habits are, which is cool. And then they also do some internally curated ones where it's like new episodes that you should listen to, just like period. And so, so I like, I like that it's kind of, if you're looking for new stuff to listen to, 
especially as a podcaster and you're trying to expose yourself to different ways of editing or different ways of doing interviews or things like that, then it could be a really great resource for you to do that kind of research. I'm yeah. starting to wonder now if Travis has been recruited by the podcast Jaser team based on uh, this segment going on. No comment. Um, yeah. It can also be a great marketing tool as well. So whatever your podcast is about, you can create a list around other podcasts on that topic. So whatever you do, you do a little league baseball podcast, right? Well, you could say the 10 best little league podcast yeah. podcasts, right? And you create that list and you put yours in there along with nine other great podcasts about little league baseball. And then you can market that. And it feels a little bit less like self-promotional. It's just like, Hey, if you're interested in, listening to podcasts about X topic, here's a bunch of great ones and you're in there. Yeah. So it is a really cool tool. We're very bullish on it. We think it's going to do well. Um, so yeah, leave a review for Buzzcast in Podchaser and uh, I will I will reply to them. Um, so other people we saw, I mean, Squadcast was right across from us. Uh, obviously we talk about Squadcast all the time um, because we recommend them pretty much for everything. But very cool team. I know they're they're saying now by the end of the year, they're going to have the ability to save all the video as well, which I think will be really good for people who want to do uh, YouTube videos like that video will actually do really well, especially if you could flip between the two videos based on who's talking. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really nice. Well, especially this is a recent update, recent development, breaking news. You can no longer record free Zoom calls. So if you're on the Zoom free plan, you cannot record really? that audio anymore in app. You'd have to use a separate app. You have to be on their $14.99 a month plan. Huh. Is that just a response to the I know a lot of people are jumping on Zoom because remote working is they said it was a bandwidth. popular. They said yeah. it was a bandwidth thing. So is it temporary or they said their feature page has been completely updated. Okay. Their marketing wow. pages. No longer the first plan that allows you to record audio in Zoom is their base plan, which is fifteen bucks a month. So for an extra five bucks a month, you get actually good audio quality. It just, in my mind, it makes Squadcast even more of a go-to for long distance interviews. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's definitely interesting. I didn't realize that Zoom did that. Um, Resonate Recordings was there. Obviously we love them. We recommend them all the time. We've used them. I, we, we use them. Mm-hmm. We, I also like people would come up and talk to me and be like, but I got to edit my podcast. It's so difficult. And I literally was walking people over to them and I was like, Hey guys, here's someone you should talk to. Yeah. Right. Resonate recordings is a, is a, uh, editing outsourcing platform. So you say, Hey, here's my audio files, make it sound beautiful. And they do. That's, that's what their magic sauce is. And they do very like high quality. It's not just they're Mm -hmm. They do shows like, uh, I think up and vanished. Um, they've done some like real big podcasts, not just like, you know, buscast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying some podcast sounds great. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not digging it on our, I'm just saying they've done some shows that have actually gotten like millions of downloads. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're doing like very high quality editing and like sound beds and all At sorts a very of stuff. Reasonable price. <laughs> this is three extended, easy payments. Oh, this is an extended ad for all of our friends. <laughs> and, um, JJ was there from Good Pods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Good Pods is a new application, podcast listening application. It's like social podcast app thing. Uh, right now it's iOS only. That was a very accurate description. You did a very good job. Did I do all right? Yes. It's Goodreads for podcasts. 
Yeah, I haven't right. honed in my elevator pitch yet, but I downloaded <laughs> the app. I created an account, and it's pretty cool. It looks yeah. it looks great. It works great. I've been using it for about a week or so, and uh, have a few followers and friends on there. Um, basically, think about like as you're listening to stuff, it's sharing what you're listening to, and you can rate each episode that you're listening to. You can comment on it, and then anybody who follows you, it shows up in their feed that this is what Kevin is listening to, and here was his feedback or rating on it, and then. They can listen to it if they want. Then you can have a little conversation about it. They will rate it. So as Albin was talking about the viral problem, how to go viral with your podcast <laughs> and that being a problem, this is one of the things that they're saying, hey, maybe this isn't going to make every podcast go viral, but it is like uh, you can build a little community of your friends or people who have similar interests and you can at least all share and see what you're all listening to and how you like it or not. Yeah. And I, um, I talked to Ken. He's the co-founder of good pods. I talked to him not at Podfest, but I talked to him in the past about what their vision was. And I use, um, good reads all the time for books, but it's mostly when I need a new book and I go and I'm kind of looking around for books. And then I love when I have this intersection of like two or three friends from different groups, all have read the same book and they all like it. And I wish Goodreads had a better way of surfacing those books, but if I'm looking at it and I go and I'm like, oh, Tom's read that and Jessica also liked it. And then a guy from law school liked it, like people from different areas of my life. And I'm like, oh, this is probably pretty good if all of those people enjoyed it. So I'm hoping like to find some really new, cool podcasts. Have you found any new ones, Kev? Oh, no, I haven't. Not yet. I'm doing a, I'm trying to transition from my previous podcast listening app to this one more and more, but it's like, you get a habit. Like I want to listen to a podcast. I keep launching my old app and I'm like, Oh no, I want to listen to this in good pods because I want it to, you know, populate in my feed and get some interaction. So I think it's a bit of a, a learning curve that I'm, I'm going through. Um, well, and it's not like you listen to many podcasts, you know, right. <laughs> right. I think you probably listen to more than everyone else in the office. Combined. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audiobooks too, which are totally separate apps and yeah. audiobooks are like eight hours at a time. And I'm in the middle of an audiobook now. So. What, what what audiobook? Uh, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. See there's how nothing, important there's, privacy is. There's and... nothing wrong with listening to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. All right, nothing wrong at all. No, I'll, I'll tell you. I just can't remember the name of it right now. It's uh, the Longevity Paradox. Is this about what's like the subtitle? Aging? It's about like what foods are you think are good for you, but they're actually not, and some foods that you think are bad for you actually are pretty good for you. So French fries. Thought, thought was bad, but it's actually bad. good. Nope. Steak still frites bad. is actually the healthiest meal, still according bad. to this book. <laughs> I learned all about the different types of nuts and legumes and seeds this mm -hmm. morning as I drove my kids to school. Yeah, yeah. They love it. Really? They love that that's what we listen to. No, <laughs> they don't. They I, 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 thought, I actually was like, oh, cool. They're like, hey, dad, bring home some mixed nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like, dang it. This is why there's no more Capri Suns in the house. Oh, come on, dad. And on that note, we just want to transition to our sponsor, Audible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is an Audible book. Yeah. Um, but no, so yeah, so we got to meet some really cool, meet up with some cool people. Um, I will obviously leave links to everything that we mentioned in this episode. So if you want to go check out Podchaser and Good Pods and um, you know all the other stuff that we talked about, I'll make sure to leave links for that. And if you're not yet a part of our uh, awesome podcasters group on Facebook, where we talk about all things podcasting, we share our wins, we ask questions, you get feedback, all that kind of stuff. It's a really cool community that we're building over there. So make sure you join that. And then last call to action, make sure you leave a review for Buzzcast in Podchaser. 
If you're number one, I will reply to you and we'll be good friends. But uh, that's it for this week. If it's we'll, number one, you're leaving them a review. I will, oh, yes, that's right. You're if, listening to episodes and doing I will listen. To, if you are no, review number one, I will listen to your episodes and leave you a review. A good review. A positive review. That's it for this week. And we'll catch you on the next one.